Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. If you're familiar with the Christian calendar, then you'll know that as I'm speaking to you right now, it's the fourth Sunday of Easter, which on that Christian calendar is a day set aside as Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a time during which we are encouraged as Christians to read Jesus' words recorded in John chapter 10, in which he speaks of being the Good Shepherd. It's also a time to reflect on the great meaning of that for you and me, which begins with the question, what is good about the Good Shepherd? Well, that's the subject of today's message which is based on verses 11 through 18 in that 10th chapter of John, and begins with some thoughts on what makes for doing a good job. Would you not agree that there's a huge difference between those who merely go to work and the ones who are out there each and every day doing their jobs. Now by that I mean, friends, is that there are those in whom you can really determine a true work ethic, right? In, for instance, the level of their enthusiasm for the job, the quality of their finished work, or in how they carry a personal investment in what they do. And it doesn't even matter what the job is, per se. They can be movie stars, professional athletes, or for that matter, they can be ditch diggers. At the end of the day, at the end of the work day, what we're talking about here are the ones who care deeply about what they're called to do, whatever it happens to be. And that not only serves to make each day more meaningful for them, but it also ends up having a huge effect on everyone around them as well. Years ago, my wife Lisa's family owned and operated a dairy bar. For over 15 summers, every summer, they served up soft serve ice cream, hamburgers, and the world's best homemade French fries made from Maine potatoes and served them up to the populace of Mapleton, Maine. Now, what was interesting for me anyway about the shanty, as it was known, is, is that it started out as a way to create summer jobs for each of the McCatton kids as they went through high school and into college. But over time, it became much more than that. As Lisa tells it, there were a whole lot of capable kids and adults from all over that town who at one time or another worked at the dairy bar. Many of them who were very good employees, great employees in fact, others, well, not so much. But here's the thing, no matter who else might have been working for them all those summers, there was almost always one of the McCattens to be found working behind the counter, assuring that everything was always served up just right. After all, as Lisa said to me, it was a family business and family was going to care the most about it. Now, in one sense, it might have been just a job. But at the end of the day, they knew that they were the ones who were ever and always going to take the weight 
for its success or its failure, and that mattered. Not only to them, but also, ultimately, to the entire community. In our Gospel reading for this morning, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. And perhaps the obvious question that arises out of that is, well, what's good about a shepherd? After all, even in biblical times, this was not a profession that was particularly well-respected, shall we say. Shepherds were, more often than not, considered to be a fairly disreputable lot. And the people you'd hire for a job like that were pretty much the lowest of the low. I always love what Garrison Keillor said. He said it in the context of the Christmas story, but he said, lamenting really, that shepherds weren't high-class people because sheep, at least close up, weren't high-class animals. Oh well. So that's what shepherds were thought of in those days. But a good shepherd, that was something different. And the thing is, the people who heard Jesus say this already knew the difference, even as Jesus lays it out for them. The good shepherd, he says, lays down his life for the sheep. A good shepherd would always have such a personal investment in that flock that he would willingly lay down his life for the sake of its survival. Certainly not like a hired hand who... Well, let's be clear here, while necessary for the keeping of the flock, is merely there for the minimum wage and who runs at the slightest hint of danger. Nor would it be like a common thief who pillages the sheep at the first opportunity, nor for that matter like a wolf ever ready to attack, destroy, and then scavenge the flock. No. Jesus is clear. The good shepherd actually goes about his job as though it is of vital importance to him, because of course it is. He truly loves each one of the sheep of his flock. And moreover, he knows each of them by name. And conversely, the sheep all know him as well. They recognize the sound of his voice, and his is the one voice to which they'll respond. One sheep heard flocking to one shepherd. And this is what he is talking about when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And recognizing, of course, that he's talking about something more than the subtleties of life amongst the flock. He's, in fact, talking about the love and care of God. To put this into proper perspective, friends, we need to understand that this whole section of John's Gospel from which our text is drawn on this Shepherd Sunday, this 10th chapter that talks so much about shepherds and sheep and gates and the sheepfold, this whole chapter is in fact Jesus' response to the scribes and Pharisees having made such a problem over his having healed a man born blind. You might remember we actually read a little bit of that story a few weeks ago, and it all really was predicated on the fact that Jesus had done this healing. He'd healed this blind man on a Sabbath day, which rose the ire of the powers that be. And finally, after 
a whole lot of theological back and forth about the legitimacy of all of this, Jesus simply comes back to an old and familiar teaching, something that every one of those righteous uprights would have understood because they were well-versed in the Old Testament. That God is like the good and loving shepherd. That God leads his flock beside the still waters. That he restores the souls of those who would follow. But here's the thing. What Jesus says to this is rather remarkable and downright bold. Instead of merely repeating the words of the psalmist, which we heard today, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus goes one step further. He announces that he is the good shepherd. He's the one who will lay down his life. And he's the one who knows his flock just as they know him. Just as, he goes on to say, the father knows me and I know my father. Make no mistake about this, friends. These words are familiar, and sometimes I fear we risk losing the power of them. That's a radical assertion that Jesus has made. And if the scribes and Pharisees were pretty upset before about what Jesus was saying now, they're absolutely livid about it. But it's truth. Truth. A truth that is central to everything we believe as Christians, one that actually speaks to everything we understand to be true about Jesus as the Christ. Even in the way this passage comes to us in the original Greek, we discover that there is huge weight ascribed to Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. Because the fact that Jesus says, I am, many times in the Gospels in describing himself and his ministry, but it's only in John, and primarily right here in this 10th chapter, does Jesus say, I am so emphatically. One biblical commentator I read suggests that the only way we really can get to the sheer depth of this in English is to put those words, I am, in italics and, and in bold. Maybe add a few exclamation points after it. It's as though Jesus really, really wants to drive home the point here. So there can be absolutely no doubt that this is what he came for, that this is his job, that this is who he is beyond any kind of doubt that we could create. He is the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. Now, of course, the thing we got to keep in mind about all of this is that what Jesus says here in this 10th chapter comes long before he's gone to the cross. So neither the scribes or the Pharisees nor even his disciples yet have any real sense of the depth of what Jesus is proclaiming. But we do. And that's why I think it's really good in these continuing days of Eastertide that we get the chance to go back and hear these words with a kind of perspective that comes in knowing not only that he'd been crucified, but that he's risen. How good it is that Jesus is the good shepherd and that he knows his sheep. How good it is that Jesus, our good shepherd, knows us in the same way that he and God know each other with a personal, mutual, 
intimate kinship like that of a parent and a child. A parent that's nurturing and caring and ever focused not on our failures, not on our weaknesses, but rather on the best that we are and the best that we can be. How good it is that ours is the shepherd who truly leads us on good pathways beside the still waters, who gives us the kind of relationship with him that truly makes all of us together that one sheep herd with one very good shepherd who is Jesus Christ. That's very important for us to know, friends, because the truth is also that Jesus is not the only shepherd who would seek to make a claim on our lives. Is that not so? There are indeed myriad varieties of hired hands, thieves, and other assorted predators who seek to lead us in another way, only to deceive, rob, or abandon us in the process. You know, back in the very early days of the internet, I was part of an online clergy community that was called Ecunet. And it was a group in which clergy type from literally all over the world would gather to talk about our joys, our struggles, and what we happen to be preaching about this coming Sunday. It was for me at the time a valuable resource and, and I really enjoyed the idea that all of us clergy types, wherever we were, were all kind of doing, having the same kind of struggles, trying to figure out what we were gonna preach on come Sunday, having the same kind of questions, the concerns, the doubts, having to deal with uh, all the things that go on in a local congregation. And I remember in thinking about all that, very specifically talking about this particular passage uh, that we've read today with a group of clergy that included a pastor from the hill country of New Zealand. Wow, New Zealand, which as you can imagine is prime country for the raising of sheep. Believe me, this man offered the rest of us a whole new perspective on the whole good shepherd, bad shepherd thing. He spoke, in fact, of an animal that is referred to in those parts as a Judas sheep. One sheep in the flock, usually a male, that was trained to meet and gather together the other sheep so to lead them, get this, into the slaughterhouse. That's true. Uh, I looked it up in other places of the world. There are things called Judas goats that save the same purpose, even Judas cows. That's a thought. They serve the same kind of purpose. The theory being that following this false leader kept the rest of the flock calm as they went to slaughter, thus making the meat more tender. Go figure. Actually, it all kind of sounds kind of cruel, inhuman even. And yet, when we think about it, we have to admit there are plenty of Judas sheep, and more to the point, Judas shepherds in the world who would call us to follow them in much the same fashion. Those who would bring us down the bad pathways of life and living and making it so very easy for us to be lost and destroyed in the following. 
Now, it might take the form of empty promises set forth by whatever the prevailing winds of pop culture, or I might add the darker tendencies of social media happen to be at any given moment. And in all honesty, it can easily boil down to the kind of polarized and hyper-partisan politics of division that has been so incredibly prevalent these days. The point here is that there will always be for us people and institution, fads and even ideas that will carry the mantle of a shepherd seeking to lead and direct us. Each one of these purporting to offer us safety, comfort, and perhaps even salvation in the following. My point here is that there are many voices out there that are calling us to follow. But it is only the good shepherd, only Jesus, whose voice is true. For his is the only voice that has the power to lay down his life for us and the power to take it up again. It's born in the relationship he has with God. And it's a relationship that is extended to you and me here, now, and to today. So that rather than walking the way of life that leads to some kind of eventual slaughter, so to speak, we are given new life and an open future that's filled with purpose and unending possibility. And the thing is, it's everything that we would expect in a good shepherd. Our good shepherd leads us where we should go. And he knows, as no one else does, just what it is we need to restore our very souls. As the wonderful Frederick Beekner has written, our souls do get hungry and thirsty. In fact, it is often that sense of inner emptiness that makes us know that we have souls in the first place. And there's nothing that the world has to give us Nothing that we can give to each other that ever quite fills them. But like a shepherd, our Lord feeds us. He feeds that part of us that is the most hungry and most in need of feeding. If I might just put it another way, the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. And at the end of the day, friends, at the end of the journey, that's everything. So as we set out on the journey today, let us go forth with the assuredness that our good shepherd is leading us. And what more is there to say about that except thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, What's Good About the Shepherd? It was recorded as part of our April the 25th online service of worship at East Church, where, by the way, you are always invited to join us live each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. We would love it if you could be a part of our worship. And with that, we come to the close of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. 
And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.